Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. And uh, because I probably won't see most of you before Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, uh, Turkey Day. And, and uh, maybe you're uh, here and you've got some of your family out uh, going after Bambi today and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. It's, it's Wisconsin. It's real. A lot of blaze orange out there. Uh, but thank you for being here. Seriously, thank you for joining us, jumping in. Uh, we're just glad that you're here. Um, so, Today is something that I would call a standalone message. Today is a standalone message. Today is not one that fits into any specific sermon series. We're kind of in between. We finished the, 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 the last series. We landed the plane last week. And then next week we're starting a brand new series. But this week is a standalone. Okay, so we are jumping in and we're going to talk about something that is very interesting, doing something that I haven't really done before. We are going to focus on one person's story in the Bible and very specifically, we're going to talk about one specific moment in his life, in his story. So what I want to do today is we're going to talk about one of the disciples. His name is Matthew. Matthew, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And I want to talk about his life, and specifically I want to focus on the moment that Jesus called Matthew away from his life into a different kind of life. And I want to focus on that moment, and what I want to do today is I want to answer three questions. Now these might be questions that you've wondered, or they might not. Either way, we're going to dig into them. So here's the three questions that I want to answer from this moment in Matthew's life. The first question is this. What does God ask of you? Second question I want to answer is, what does God do to you? And the third question is, what does God do for you? Now, some of you might not get excited about all three of those questions. For example, the middle one, what does God do to you? Right? That one be like, might be like, eh, I'm a little scared of that one. Right? But those are the three questions I want to ask and I want to answer. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to go to the very book that Matthew himself wrote about the moment when Jesus called him out. And uh, it's one verse, one verse only. Yes, I'll give you some other verses, but one verse is what we're going to start with. So Matthew chapter 9 Verse 9, this is when Jesus calls Matthew from his life into a different kind of life. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. One verse. That's all we get from Matthew writing about the moment that changed his life. That's all we get. Remember, Matthew's the one that wrote this book, one of the Gospels in the New Testament, in the Bible. And we get one verse that describes Jesus was walking along on the street, and he had his disciples with him, and he calls Matthew out, and he says, hey, come and follow me, be my disciple. That's all we get. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take that verse, and I want to expand it just a little bit. Because that's really the only context that we get from Matthew's moment from his life. 
But I want to expand it just a little bit. Now, I've mentioned this a couple of times before. There's this new series out. Uh, it's not really a TV series because you can only watch it through their app on your smartphone or through a device. It's called The Chosen. I've mentioned it several times here before. Let me just encourage you. If you want to see a completely different kind of portrayal of Jesus' life and the disciples, I would encourage you, go onto your phone or your device, go to the App Store, and look up The Chosen. This whole series is about Jesus' life and the disciples. And let me just tell you, that I've never seen any other series do this. This series is kind of like their goal, their theme, is to bring out the full humanity of the disciples. All of their faults and everything on full display. They really give a realistic view of how these disciples may have interacted. And so what I want to do is I want to show you a video clip here in just a moment from The Chosen. And it's their rendition, it's their portrayal of that one verse that I just read. That moment when Jesus calls Matthew away from his tax collector's booth. As you would imagine, there's a lot going on there. You're going to see a Roman guard who is there to protect the tax collector. You're going to see Jesus call Matthew out. You're going to see Matthew immediately come out and follow Jesus. But then I want you to notice that the disciples, specifically Peter, is not very pleased with the fact that Jesus is inviting Matthew to join their little team. Take a look. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. Oh, that's good. It's a powerful moment, isn't it? When Jesus calls Matthew out to something completely different than the direction that he was heading. 
In that one moment, Jesus calls Matthew from the direction in life that he was going this way. And Jesus said, would you join me and go this way? It's a powerful moment. And they do a phenomenal job of portraying that. But what I want to do is I want to expand it a little bit even more. I want to talk about in that moment what was really going on. I want to talk about what was really happening in Jesus, in Matthew, and in the disciples, and all of the people that are involved in that moment. Because it was not just Jesus saying, follow me, and Matthew did it, and it was that simple. It was not that simple. Not even close. And so, let's answer those three questions. The first question that I asked is, what does God do, or what does God ask of you? What does God request from you? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to get some context, right? So where that moment, where that scene happened was in the Roman Empire. Matthew, Jesus, the disciples, the Roman guard, everybody there, they're a part of what was called the Roman Empire. Now, we have to understand something about the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was huge, it was massive. In fact, uh, I have a map of this. You can kind of see how big this was. Take a look at this. Uh, you see where that dotted line is? That shows you the boundaries of the Roman Empire. To put this in perspective, they had control of the entire Mediterranean Sea coastline. Literally every inch of it, they controlled it. If you were to put a normal, like modern-day map over the top of this, you would see that this is a part of 20 different countries today. This is an impressive show of power from the Roman Empire. Now, the other thing that the Romans did is they built a lot of infrastructure. They did a lot of building stuff. They built roads. They built amphitheaters. They built infrastructure. They built all kinds of stuff. They were amazing builders. The problem is, as you would guess, if you build all those things, what does it require? It requires money, right? And so the Roman Empire, they taxed their people like crazy. For example, the Romans would collect one-tenth of all grain products in, their, in the Roman Empire. They would collect one-fifth tax on all fruit that was harvested in the Roman Empire. They also had something called a poll tax, which was if you were of adult age, there was a set amount that since you lived in the Roman Empire, you had to pay a set amount tax to the Roman Empire. That was called the poll tax. They also had an income tax. Some of you are like, ooh, well, at least they didn't have the income tax. No, they had that one too. Yay. Right? How many of you, let, let, me, just, let me just ask you, how many of you get warm fuzzies when you think about taxes? Me neither. <laughs> right? Of course we don't. The Romans, they tax their people like crazy because they had to support this massive weight of this incredible empire. Now, why is all that important? Well, it's important because what the Romans did is they relied on local people to collect the taxes for them. People that knew the language, they knew the culture, they knew the area, they knew the people. And so the Romans, they would hire tax collectors in every region of their empire to collect taxes on their behalf. Well, guess who Matthew was? Matthew had that job. He was a tax collector. 
He collected taxes on behalf of the Roman authorities, but as probably a lot of you have heard before, tax collectors also were notorious for being dishonest. The reason that people went after being a tax collector was because they could get really, really, really rich, collecting more taxes than what the Romans desired and then padding their own pockets. It's very probable, in fact likely, that Matthew was a dishonest tax collector skimming off the top and living the lavish lifestyle. Now, why is this important? Well, think about Matthew. He's different than everybody else. For example, Matthew could read and write in his day and age. Now, in our day and age, that's kind of like, Okay, big deal. He could read and write, right? Because we have an educational system where we teach as many people how to read and write as possible, right? So when you come across people, we just kind of expect that somebody knows how to read and write. That's not necessarily true because not everybody does, but we kind of expect it. Well, in Jesus' day, the vast majority of people did not know how to read or write. That was weird if you knew how to read and write. You were an outcast. You were, you were different. Matthew would have been enabled to know how to read and write because he had to keep track of records. He had to keep track of people's accounts. He had to be able to communicate with them. It's probable that Matthew knew four different languages. Maybe not fluently, but he certainly knew uh, a lot about them. He knew Latin, which was the formal language of the Roman Empire. To be a tax collector, you had to know Latin. He probably knew Greek because that was the most common language throughout the Roman Empire. He was Jewish, so he certainly knew Hebrew. And more than likely, he also had to know Aramaic because a lot of people use that language as well. It is quite possible, in fact probable, that Matthew knew four different languages. He's weird, right? How many of you know four different languages? I just called you weird. I'm sorry about that. Matthew was an outlier in his culture. He knew how to read and write. He could keep track of numbers. He was a tax collector, and he probably knew the better part of four different languages, at least. He was an outlier. But here's the point that I want to make off of Matthew's life. We have this one verse that says, Jesus said, Matthew, come follow me, and Matthew leaves his tax collector's booth and follows Jesus. And we just saw it portrayed in about, what, two minutes, minute and a half, two minutes? Let's be honest, it was way more to it than that. The point is this, Matthew gave up everything to follow Jesus, didn't he? So the answer to the question, what does God ask of you? He asks for everything. Everything. God asks you to surrender all of you. Which is exactly what Jesus did that day with Matthew. He asked Matthew not just to leave his tax collector's booth, but he left his job. He left his livelihood. He left his known commodity. He left all of his friends and all this stuff. In fact, we're going to get into this in a minute. We're going to realize how much he left, how much he surrendered to Jesus. In fact, it's interesting, but a few verses, a few chapters later, actually, Matthew himself 
in the same book that he wrote about this moment, he records something else that Jesus says. I want to read it. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. These are Jesus' words. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own life, your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Understand that Jesus is not talking about physical life here. He's talking about our spiritual life, our soul. What Jesus is saying is you have to surrender that. You have to hand your soul over to Jesus. Surrender your way of life for God's way. Now, I don't know about you, We've heard this theme already. Laura shared it about the anxiety that sometimes she deals with when she has to share words with people. She doesn't always feel confident about that. And there's a lie speaking to her and saying, you're not good enough. You're not going to make any sense. There are all of us that we deal with certain things, fears, anxieties, doubts. And we all struggle with certain things. And what God is saying is, I want you to release that. I want you to give that to me so that I can take it and run with it and use it in a powerful way. So what does God ask of you? Just everything. Something simple. Something small. Just all of you. So let's go to the question number two then. The one that maybe some of you don't want me to get to. What does God do to you? So what does God ask of you? He asks everything of you. But what does God do to you? What, if you accept Jesus, if Matthew, when Matthew accepted Jesus, the question is, what does God do to him? What does God do to the people around him? Well, in order to answer that question, we need to go back to the context. What does Matthew do for a job? You already know this because we made this point. He's a tax collector, right? Okay, this is why this is important. It is quite possible, in fact, it's probably likely, no, that we can't prove this, because there's no record in here that said Matthew did this, but it's quite likely that Matthew was responsible for collecting taxes from the disciples who were with Jesus when he called Matthew from the tax collector's booth. It is quite probable, maybe even likely, that Matthew was one of the ones responsible for extracting extra money from the disciples, living it up in a large house on their hard-earned money that they didn't have to pay to the Romans because Matthew was dishonest. It's likely that when Jesus called Matthew out of the tax collector booth to join them, the disciples realized that a financial bully, the person who was potentially responsible for their poverty, was now being asked to join their party. Do you see what was really going on there? In fact, let me get it a little bit deeper than that. So in another other couple of gospel books, 
In the book of Matthew, Matthew calls himself Matthew. That was one of his names. But did you know a lot of times in that culture, you were known by more than one name? Well, Matthew was also known as Levi. And when he is listed as Levi, only in one of the other gospel books, he's listed as Levi, son of Alphaeus. Did you hear Jesus in the clip call Matthew, son of Alphaeus? That was kind of a, a conglomeration of two gospel books that the TV series, that the series put together. His name was Matthew, but his name was also Levi, and he's listed as son of Alphaeus. By the way, if you're looking for a name for your next child, Alphaeus is one. Don't say I didn't give you anything really creative to use in your life, right? Levi, son of Alphaeus. Now, here's why this is important. There's another disciple that's listed in the list of the 12 disciples. His name is James, and guess what his tag is? He is listed as James, son of Alphaeus. Now, what I'm about to tell you, I don't want you to quote as truth because we cannot prove what I'm about to say. So I want to be clear about that, but I do want to point out the possibility. It is possible that the Bible hints to us that Matthew, Levi, son of Alphaeus, and James, son of Alphaeus, were quite possibly related, if not maybe even brothers. No, we can't prove it. No, we're never going to get that answer because this is all we've got. So I can't tell you that that's absolutely true. But it is possible because they were both the son of a guy named Alpheus. Is it possible that Alpheus was just a really common name in that time? Absolutely. That's very possible. But it is also possible that Matthew is a tax collector. And if he was a tax collector and a Jewish man who was a tax collector, then it was quite probable, quite likely, that Matthew was rejected, was disowned, by his own family, that they wanted nothing to do with Matthew because he was a traitor to his people. He was a traitor to the Hebrew nation, to the, to the Jewish people. So it is quite possible that Matthew had been outcast from his own family. So just imagine that Jesus looks at Matthew and calls him to join their little crew, and you've got the disciples who have had this guy steal from them, at the very minimum have extracted taxes from them on behalf of the Romans, their enemy, and it's quite possible that he's got a family member in there who hasn't seen Matthew in a long time because he is not considered to be a member of the family anymore. Now do you see the level of hatred that the disciples may have had toward Matthew when Jesus brought him into the mix? In fact, let me go to the next two verses after the first verse that I read. Jesus has just called Matthew. It says Matthew joins them. He leaves the tax collector booth and joins Jesus and the disciples. And then catch what it says next. This is almost comical what Jesus does to the, the 12 disciples here. Okay, listen to what happens. Verse 10. Later, that is, later that day after Matthew joins Jesus, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many, catch who else is there, tax collectors and disreputable sinners. Oh, fun. 
But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? By the way, it's interesting. You can imagine the original Greek word that we had to translate into the word scum. It's not a good word. I want you to catch what has just happened. Jesus invites Matthew into the team. The disciples hate him. Literally hate him. And now, Matthew, in that same later on that day, we don't know if it was within a few minutes, we don't know if it was in a few hours, but Matthew invites Jesus and the rest of the disciples to come over to his house for a dinner party. You understand that the disciples are going to be walking into the very home that they helped pay for because of his dishonesty. They are walking into the very place where Matthew can show off his wealth at the expense of their poverty. And guess who else he invited? Matthew invited the only people that actually will hang out with him because he's hated by most of the people in his region. Other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. People who are far from God. Jesus and the disciples now have to go to this dinner party where this is the reality. Again, it's almost comical. And so the question is, what does God do to you if you accept Jesus, if you decide to follow God, let me tell you what God will do to you. God will challenge you. God will force you and drag you out of your comfort zone. How many of you want to accept Jesus today? Am I selling it well? God will drag you out of your comfort zone. And here's what one thing that God will do, and God has done this to me. So I am not immune to this. God will put you into the life and God will bring people into your life who you have previously or for a long time dismissed, hated, wanted nothing to do with. God will insert people into your life who you want nothing to do with who you avoid. God will put them into your life like he put Matthew into the lives of his disciples to help you realize that love, that God's power transcends our own personal biases and feelings. We get one verse but there's a lot more going on there. Do you see? God wants to challenge you. But God doesn't want to just challenge you just because he enjoys challenging you and watching you squirm. Right? Have you, let me ask you this. Have you ever done something to somebody just in order to get them to jump or to see them squirm a little bit? Have you ever done that? I've done that. I don't know that I would say I'm proud of it, but I've done that. 
right? I don't know, I don't know what it is, but man, when I can get somebody, they're coming around the corner, and I'm like, ah, you know, and they, and they jump, and I'm like, oh, that's so good. Jesus is not going to challenge you and force people into your life and force you into other people's lives just because he's going to be like, hey, hey, angels, come gather around, watch this. Right? That's not what God is doing. God's not like trying to just mess with you. But I will tell you this, that God is messing with you. And the reason is because he has something for you to experience from him. And it leads us to that third question. What does God do for you? What does God do for you? Well, the answer to that is clear from Matthew. So what did Matthew have in his life? Well, he clearly had wealth. He had comfort. He lived, as they put, I love how they portrayed this in that little clip there. The, the Roman soldier, did you hear what Gaius, the Roman soldier, said to him, the Roman guard? He said, Matthew, no Jew lives as good as you. You're going to throw that all away? And I love what Matthew says. He very simply, the, the script is perfect. He just says, Yes. Why did Jesus call Matthew from a life that was comfortable and good? The reason was because God wanted to give Matthew something that he didn't have, something that money could not buy. God wanted to give Matthew peace. God wanted to give Matthew peace. Peace that passes all human understanding. In fact, we know this because of how Jesus answers. Remember the Pharisees ask, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Well, Jesus overheard that question and he answers it. Listen to what he says. He says, when, Je when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. In other words, what's Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying, I haven't come for the people who think they've got it all figured out. Who think they're already all good. I haven't come for them. Jesus said, I've come for the people who realize they don't have peace in their life and they need peace in their life and they want peace in their life. I have come for them. They know they have something that they're lacking and I want to give that to them. That's who I've come for, Jesus says. Now it's interesting. Out of the four gospels, there's four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew is the one out of the four that records one of Jesus' prayers. He's the only one that records it. And it's found in Matthew chapter 11. And I want to read it for you. And it's very interesting that Matthew is the only one that records this prayer of Jesus. I'm sure the other disciples heard it. But Matthew's the one that records it. I think there's a reason why. Let me read it for you. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, this is a prayer that he was offering. Then Jesus said, come to me, 
All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You know why I think Matthew wrote that prayer down? Why he recorded it in his book, in his gospel? I think it's because Matthew experienced that. I think God gave him peace. In fact, I wanted to let you know that the next series, we haven't talked about it, but I want to share with you what we're going to do. You had an idea that today was leading somewhere, didn't you? So for the next several weeks, basically the month of December, the Christmas season, we're going to ask the question, where is peace? I don't know if you've noticed, but in our world today, we have a severe lack of peace. Don't we? Anxiety is at an all-time high. Opioid overdose, all-time high. Depression, all-time high. And that's just three out of a whole list. We are drowning in a sea of emotions that we don't know how to handle. And so what I want to do, what we're going to do as a church is for the next several weeks, we're going to ask the question, how do we experience God's peace in the midst of turmoil? In the midst of such a severe lack of peace? So remember how we started today? I want to end how we started Again, this is almost weird, but, and I never do this, but I want to go back to that video clip. I want to show it one more time. But this time, I want you to realize all the things that we just talked about. That Matthew was living a wealthy, comfortable life. Yes, he was hated by his people, but he had it all at least by worldly standards. Jesus calls out to Matthew to join him, and Matthew immediately does. But then take notice again of the disciples, specifically Peter. And I don't know if you caught it the first time. My guess is you'll catch it this time. But Peter leans into Jesus, and when, when Jesus calls Matthew out, Peter says to Jesus, I don't get it. And Jesus looks at him and says, you didn't get it when I called you either. And then do you know what Peter says? Did you catch this? I love this. This is why I love this series. Peter says, but that's different. In other words, you know what he's saying with that statement? 
He's saying, but Matthew's not worthy. Matthew doesn't deserve your love. I do, but Matthew doesn't. Matthew's a tax collector. Matthew's dishonest. Matthew has stolen from us. Matthew put us into poverty. He doesn't deserve you, Jesus, and he certainly should not be with me. This is different. Peter's mad. And did you catch what Jesus says at the end? When Peter says this is different, Jesus says, get used to different. Oh, that's good. That's what we call mic drop moment. So knowing all those things, I want us to watch the clip one more time so we can realize what was really going on. Take a look. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. Mm -hmm. Get used to different. Make no mistake. God calls you just like he called Matthew. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Get used to different. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to acknowledge and thank you this morning for the fact that you challenge us. You challenge the status quo of how we live. You challenge who we hate. 
We don't like to use that word sometimes because it's just such a strong word, but there are a lot of people in this world who hate. And let's be honest, there might be a lot of people in this room who hate somebody else. But you call us to different. God, you call us to better. You call us to something different than what we think and what this world offers. And Lord, you offer, Jesus, you offer us something that sometimes we cannot find and we certainly cannot buy. You offer us peace. You offer us peace. Peace. You invite us to be still and know that you are God that you love us, that you want the best for us. You challenged Matthew, you challenged the disciples. Now challenge us to step out of our normal way of looking at people, to step out of our normal way of feeling about ourselves. Some of us, the person that we hate is us. We hate ourselves. We don't like who we are. We don't like how we look, or we don't like a certain aspect about ourselves. We have believed the lies that Laura was talking about before, the anxiety, the thing you don't measure up. You're not worthy. God, I pray against those lies in the name of Jesus. I pray against those. May you speak the truth into who we are, a child, a son, a daughter of the most high king of you, God. If we've accepted you, if we've joined you, if we've left our tax collector's booths, then you want to change us. You want to give us peace and joy and show us and help us to experience your love. So help us to get used to different because you call us to something better. We pray all of this and we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.